I don't know if time-space alters when we're in the presence of God, because he's above time or not. But uh, over time we are. So I'm going to... I've got uh, the classic three points. No poem. We've got three points. I'm going to cut the first down to one minute each, and the last down to five minutes. See if I can do it. We're going to soak up a little bit of time under God's word, If we're short of time, we should at least listen to God's word read. So uh, I've asked if Samuel would read um, from Joshua 22. Uh, If you could, uh, I'll hold the microphone for you, my friend. If other people would have a chance to get hold of Joshua 22. Which verse is? All the way through. Right. The whole thing. Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and a half-tribe of Manasseh, and said to them, You have done all that Moses, the servant of the the Lord, commanded, and you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. For a long time now, to this very day, You have not deserted your your fellow Israelites, but have carried out the mission that the Lord your God gave you. Now Now that the Lord your God has given them rest as he as he promised, return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But be very careful to keep the commandments the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience with him, to keep his commands, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they sent and they sent to uh, and they went. To the, and went to their homes. To the path tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given the land of Bashan, and to the, and to the other half tribe, Joshua gave the, land on, gave the land on the west side of the Jordan along, their, along with their fellow Israelites. When Joshua sent them home, he blessed them, saying, Return to your homes with your great wealth, with large herds of livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and a great quantity of clothing, and divide the plunder from your enemies with your fellow Israelites. Stop there, Samuel. Thank you. Samuel. I don't know about you, but when I first became a Christian, before I became a Christian, I couldn't really get my head around the Old Testament. It seemed pretty difficult. And you might be wondering, why why are we doing history? Because, I mean, this was a long time ago. It's not the Gospels, it's not Jesus, it's not the Apostles, it's not the Epistles, it's not the... It, why are we doing this stuff from thousands of years ago? Does uh, anybody remember this statement? The new is in... Nobody knows, it might be an Aussie statement. Wow, exactly. The new is in the old contained. And the old is in the new explained. It's amazing, you start to say, well, say it after me, young lady, come on, everybody. The new is in the old contained. And the explained. Okay, 
So what that means is actually, though you think there's a lot of history and lots of numbers and lots of names and stuff, and there are, in the Old Testament there's like a rich library where you can see God prefiguring what Jesus is going to do in the future. And so when we've been reading Joshua, we've been seeing a representation of what Jesus is going to do with us and what he has done with us. So Joshua was the one who led them into a land that God had promised them. And we have been promised a land, a land of rest, a land of opportunity, a land of grace, a land of freedom, a land of healing. We've been offered this amazing land and that rest comes in Jesus. So this was the land that the Old Testament people were promised. It was the land of Israel. And this was a very long time ago. It was very specific. The thing about the land of Israel, even though it was a gift, as the gospel is a gift, you had to possess it. So earlier, Moses had been told, everywhere you put your feet, I'll give you that territory. Here's the thing. You possess as much victory in Jesus, as much victory in your life as you're prepared to go get so that's one of the things that comes out of this passage, that these people, and you get, they were commended. The first three tribes, two and a half tribes are commended because when they'd come from the 40 years of wandering the desert, they're about to enter the promised land, they arrive. Well, what happens? They look, these are the tribes that were the farmers. They had cattle and herd and sheep. The rest of them had been slaves and they didn't know what to do. So they didn't appreciate the value of it so much. So they saw this flat land by a river, no great big mountain ranges or anything like that. Could we please have this land instead of crossing the river? Remember that story? And so Moses said, okay, but you have to come and fight for your brothers and sisters. So you are, when we finished conquering the whole land, you can come back. Leave your families here. We don't need the girls and the kids and stuff like that. We need the fighters. All the fighting men come over. When we've won the whole territory, you can have it. You can go back. So that's where we are now in the story. Now, to be fair to these guys, Moses was, was pretty positive about them. Um, Joshua was very positive about them. He said, look, you've been faithful. Didn't he? He said, you've stuck at it. You know, these guys were away approximately seven, seven and a half years from their families. Fighting for somebody else. Seven and a half years. Left their kids there. Coming home, little fellas growing right up. What's going on here? It's just amazing. So that's a long time. And they didn't shirk, they didn't turn back, they stuck at it. And so they got what they worked for. They were given it, they had to fight for it, then they go and possessed it. It was theirs, a place of rest. So in the Old Testament, God is so amazing, he will set up, they needed a land that would feed, clothe and sustain a million people forever. Two million people, three million people. So every family had a plot of land they could work and they could live off what they produced and sell the rest. That's how God's economy worked. Even if you went into debt after a period of time, 50 years as it happens, and if you'd been sold into slavery, had to sell your land, you could never sell it permanently. At the end of 50 years, they call it the year of Jubilee, they have a big celebration that everybody who'd lost land got it back again. That's a brilliant economic plan, isn't it? Brilliant. All the slaves were freed because you could indenture yourself as a slave to pay off a debt. They're all freed and you got your house back. If you had to sell it because you were broke, you got it back. Your kids got it back. Brilliant. So that's why this land is so important. And it was called the land of rest. Once you've conquered, you rested. You're at peace because your enemies were defeated. I think we need rest. When we come to Christ, we enter his rest. 
So that's the new in the old contained. When we read the Old Testament, we are ah, in the New Testament, ah, that's what they meant. That's what the history was about. And so when you, when you, you can't be at rest without Jesus Christ because you can't have security. You can have a good life. You can be a good person. You can do lots of good things. You can start charity. You can do all sorts of stuff. But you can't have the kind of rest that God offers until you've crossed into his land and taken what he's offered you. Then you begin to enter his rest. And you work out over time how to appropriate more and more of his rest. So the more you get to know Jesus, the more calm you are about things, the more relaxed, the more, the more you become like the Jesus who was at the bottom of the boat and there was a storm howling. Everybody else thought, we're going to die. And he was snoozing. But they wake him up. Jesus, don't you care? You remember the story. Be calm. And they go, wow. No wonder he was asleep. He wasn't worried. So Jesus is offering us a rest when we come to him on the inside. So the tribe's gone in there and they're loaded with stuff. When God gives us a place, he gives us all we need. And you know, sometimes he gives us more. You know, he gives us jam on top of the cream sometimes. So God wants good for us. But we have to go get it. So this is the story of a people who are made a promise, entitled to a land by God's promise. They cross the Jordan. The land is possessed. How? By loving obedience. That's why he says, look, when you get in there, be careful to follow all the commands I've got. So... I'm going to skip to the last point, um, and, and that is this. Um, don't rest in the wrong place. Don't rest in the wrong place. I think you could make a pretty good argument that actually these two and a half tribes had made a big mistake in asking for land outside the promised land because this wasn't the original promised land. They asked for it, so God said, okay, through Moses. But it wasn't the promised land. The promised land was on the other side of the Jordan. But what had they seen? Well, this is good. This looks good. Instead of what God wants for us, can we have this? Because it looks good. Look how rich we could be here. Look how well off we can be here. Look how many cattle. Look, look how... It's funny, isn't it, how you can see stuff and you can't see the danger, but God can. But they'd worked hard. They'd been faithful. They got what they asked for. Be careful what you ask God for. <laughs> if it's not his best, don't rest there. Don't rest there. And this kind of principle, I think, applies in life when you're... One of the things, you know, just to big up on my boy, you'll be severely embarrassed, but that's the parent's joy, is that he's got a goal in mind and he's not resting or dreaming. He's actively, proactively pursuing it. So he's got education in that area, he's, he's doing work and he's picked up extra courses in that area. And when we're talking, he's telling me what he needs to do next to get to the next step to the next step. He's not resting before he's in God's plan for his life. He's not resting. A lot of us rest, we settle. And we settle in the wrong place. And sure, we're blessed. God doesn't not love us. We're not part of his kingdom, not, not part of his kingdom because we're not perfectly obedient. But I think we sell ourselves short on what we could have in Christ. We're happy for five-minute prayer time, ten minutes of Bible reading, just coming along, just cruising, knowing you're saved, 
knowing it's going to be okay between you and God, but resting. There's a spiritual rest, but out of that rest comes fruit and obedience. You maintain the rest and you develop the rest by being obedient. So when he gives you a gift, you serve in that area of giftedness. And when you get going in it, you don't stop. But, you know, Griff's doing, when's your, you're doing, is it level eight or level nine you're doing with bass? Eight, which I think there is no level nine. So he's doing the top. It's taken him some time, some weeks to get to level eight, hasn't it? Decades. Decades, okay. (laughs) But Griff didn't rest at level one. He could have said, look, I can play, I can hold a tune, I can go dun-dun-dun in a service. If we let him loose after this, he's got to do some pretty tricky practice. Let him loose the next Sunday, those fingers will be racing up and down that thing. When you learn the keyboard, you didn't stop at chopsticks, did you? Did you stop at chopsticks? No. You, Samuel, did you stop at chop, chopsticks when you learned? I didn't even learn it. What? <laughs> you didn't learn chopsticks? Not when I was that young. You are undeniably the poshest boy I've ever met. You can play the piano, but you skip chopsticks. Is that right? Well, uh, I, it was, uh, uh, well, yes. I, it was three blind mice originally. Three blind mice, okay. But you didn't stop at three blind mice. No. So you can play in worship. And when he gets rocking, he gets rocking, as you well know. So I don't know where you are in your life now. I just don't want you to rest in the wrong place. You might be blessed where you are, and you think, you know, I'm pretty good. But I think God keeps us climbing. That's what I love about Caleb. He keeps climbing. It doesn't matter how old he is. God, give me that mountain. Look at me. I can still do it. He was blessed with good health. When Moses was his age, he was, he's worn out. Not Caleb. Come on. He didn't rest. At your work, are you resting? You know, when they're talking about sports teams and stuff, if you don't buy every year, you don't stand still. You go backwards. When you're swimming against a tide and you rest, you might think, it's nice, I'm floating, my big white belly's up in the sun there, and people calling shark, shark, or whale, well, I'm in there. But when I'm floating, I'm not resting. I'm not staying in the same place, am I? I'm being dragged by the tide. And you could be a long way out before you realise because I rested in the wrong place. I know what God's saying to you. I've been praying, God, there's so much to say in this passage about unity, about pure worship, about all sorts of things. But in the end, this was the thing I thought God wanted me to say to you most. Don't rest where you are. Don't be happy to be a mildly pleasant, not as grumpy as you used to be, relatively kind person. Don't be like me. I'm not kidding. I'm not mildly grumpy. But do you know what I mean? Don't rest. Don't stay where you are. Have goals. Have have a a vision to to be deeper in Jesus, to know him better. Don't be satisfied with being okay. And the deeper you get into his rest, actually, the more you possess. Because when you're in him and you're enjoying his presence and his spirit speaking to you and you're seeing things, he's saying, Tony, why don't you do this? Could you do that? Could you help here? This is a big thing, I think, that we not rest in the wrong place, but keep on pressing on. Amen? Amen. Okay, we got close to 12 o'clock, which is probably 20 minutes too late anyway. But we'll learn one day how to manage this hoss, won't we? So, Heavenly Father, we thank you that despite the fact that, like Abraham, we were just wandering with no place to call home and worshipping 
you know, idols and whatever spirits we came across. Thank you that you came and met with us and gave us the invitation to rest. Thank you that for the people of Israel, despite their many faults, you continued to love them. Thank you that for us, despite our many faults, you continue to love us. And Father, we want to appreciate what you've done for us in Jesus. We would never have known what sin was unless the Old Testament told us. We would never have known what the price of sin was, death, unless the Old Testament had told us. We'd never have known what being saved from sin meant unless the Old Testament had shown us sacrifice and offering. And thank you for in Jesus it's all explained. It was pointing to Christ. That when we come to Christ, he takes every sin upon himself as we remembered in communion and becomes the sacrifice for our sin that we might move from turmoil and ease into your rest, a place of your presence, the place of your joy, the place of your love, the place of your healing and a feeling that enables us to live a life that never stops climbing, never stops growing, never stops seeking the best. We'll always serve, we'll always love, we'll always reach out and never be happy until we meet, meet Jesus. So we're so grateful for that. Amen? Amen. So we've got a prayer room here uh, uh, and it is by that banner up there. And if you're a person who said, you know what, I think God was speaking to me then, I need... I need to get up and get moving again. I think I'm resting. Uh, maybe you need somebody to pray with you about it. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ and said, you know, I, I admit I've been wrong all my life. I remember when it struck me, man, I've been wrong. I couldn't believe it. I thought I knew everything. I was 20. But I'd been wrong all those 20 years. I wasn't a Christian because I was born in a Christian country. I had to make a decision to follow Jesus. And then I did, and he, I woke up the next morning, and I felt glad to be alive for the first time I could ever remember. Nothing, you know, no sparks, no flowers, no psychedelic stuff happening. I just felt glad the next morning that I was alive. If you want to know that, why not meet with Jesus? Come to him and say those things. I'm sorry, please receive me. And if you want somebody to pray with you about that, that would be really good. Now, we've got tea and coffee. We hang around. Don't forget there's a picnic this afternoon. Um, and uh, who's on prayer team today? Oh, it must be Matilda. She's, she's got the green thing on. So we've got one of the best prayers in the country right there. And I pray, this, pray the blessing into you, aren't you? Uh, so go in the grace of God. Amen? And Rhonda, remember you have to give the baby back. You cannot have the baby. <laughs> Keep her away from babies. I, I, this is not fair. Bless you, guys. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Just don't give him to Rhonda. 